Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This is the Action Network Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. Ready? Throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. We are back. Chris Raybon, Sean Corner, the Action Network. NFL podcast. We made it. You guys listened to a whole bunch of other golf and all this other content. But we back to some NFL football, some fantasy football. We have all the fantasy content that you guys are going to need right here. We're going to have two episodes per week from here on out. Uh, Sean and I are going to be on our own channel. So stay on the lookout for that. We'll obviously update you guys with more information as that comes about, but that's just a note for you guys. We're moving to a new feed. Um, we'll obviously keep you in a loop on that. Shout out to our guy, Matthew Friedman, who has moved on and will not be a part of the pod this season, but that just means more of Sean and I arguing about third string tight ends for you guys listening pleasure each and every week. I'm Chris Raybon, Sean Corner, the odds maker, my dude, my new neighbor kind of what's up, man. Yes. Yes, so welcome to LA. Glad to have you here. Thank you. Uh, how do you like it so far? I love it, man. It's every day. It's the same exact weather. I'm <laughs> ne- not used to that. Uh, and my life will end three hours earlier every Sunday because you know we have we, we get games at 10 a.m. in the mornings. I'm already enjoying it for NBA. You know, games are over by nine, ten o'clock. Sometimes eight. I think the finals game ended at eight thirty yesterday. So uh, I'm certainly loving it, man. Yeah, I mean, I moved to New York for a year, so I was there for an NFL season, and just like I'm not used to games starting at 1 p.m. Like I'm so impatient. I'm just like, come on, when are they going to start already? And then you have those random Monday night games that start at like 10 p.m. and you're going to bed at two in the morning. I, I think the the West Coast has the best time zone when it comes to sports. So welcome. Thank you, man. So uh, yeah, for all you guys out there, uh, we're going to get to AFC projections in this podcast. We're going team by team. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll have some time to just kind of go through each projection and, and give our prop. We'll do a prop for each team. Sean will throw one out. We'll talk about it. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of good stuff, but, uh, before we get into it, Sean, just like, how was your, how was your off season? What you've been doing, what you've been betting on? How's it going? 
Good. Uh, I've been hanging out. Um, you know, I've been betting on some weird stuff like Call of Duty League, and um, I I always love WNBA. I've been just crushing it. That's one of my favorite sports to bet on um, in the off season. So you can you can follow along with my WNBA uh, betting in our Action app. Um, but just hanging out, and you know, this time last year it was difficult because we didn't really know how or if there would be a 2020 NFL season. Um, you know, we we knew there wasn't going to be a preseason, which was a bummer, but. I'm so excited for this season. You know, it's going to be one of the best ever. Um, I'm excited to have preseason back less than a month away from the Hall of Fame game. So I'm just ready to rock and roll right now. I'm, I'm so stoked for this year. Absolutely, man. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of like it's almost like last season didn't happen. Like it absolutely happened. But I feel like so much of what we do is leading up to the season and everyone who's playing fantasy and and all that. It's like there's so much prep that you're doing at this time of year and it felt like that was so abbreviated last year so I'm back um but you know I know we're doing an, we're gonna do a little new segment for these Thursday shows Sean um so yeah so so first of all what's the deal with the Oilers gear I have yeah. to know yeah so that's you know I got the the throwback the Oilers Eddie George Eddie George wow yeah the Eddie George man one of my favorite players if I if I played football I would wear number 27 I'm I'm born April 27th so that was always my number um, but yeah, we're going to do throwback Thursdays on the show, um, you know, for everyone that also wants to, you know, check out the visuals. Obviously, we'll have it posted on, on the Action Network HQ Twitter handle, uh, my Twitter at Chris Raybon, your Twitter at underscore the odds maker. But yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do a throwback every Thursday. We'll see how this goes. I've been getting my collection up uh, in off season. I know you've been getting your hat collection up. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've seen I've seen you. I've seen you with a new hat pretty much every Zoom call we've done. So yes, yes, uh, I, I will have a hat for every team uh, for the season. So when I'm when I'm you know repping a team or a pick or a player, I will have the the appropriate hat for that team. And this is what this is the Buffalo Bills. This is a, I mean you're you're kind of taking part too because this is the Buffalo Bills throwback, right? Yeah, well, this is uh, I, I'm I'm making up or overcompensating for my Josh Allen. I wouldn't call it hate, but underrating <laughs> him last year. Um, so don't hate me, Bills Mafia. I'm I'm with him this year. Uh, I love him. Uh, a little late to the party, but we could talk about that when we uh, go over the Bills projections. The Bills make me wanna Shout. kick your heels up and Shout. throw your hands up and Shout. throw your head back and Shout. come on now. The Bills are making it happen now. I mean, I, that's what I call a segue because we are going to hop in to our AFC projections and we'll start with the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen, obviously. Really came into his own last year. Shouts to our guy, Evan Silva. Had him on the pod last year and, and, you know, talked about him as a potential MVP candidate. And lo and behold, as we're entering the 2021 season, Josh Allen has an average draft position of QB number two, only behind Patrick Mahomes. Uh, what do you think of Allen heading into this year, Sean? Yeah, so right now in my projections, you know, he's QB2, but honestly, you could make a case for either he or Mahomes. Um, and last year, I was a little bit bearish on him because, you know, I was projecting a bit more regression in his rush touchdown percentage. I thought Zach Moss would eat into the goal line carries a bit. That didn't happen. So, you know, he had an 8.3 rush touchdown percentage in 2019. Um, and then last year, it only dropped to 7.9%. I'm projecting him down to 7.3, which is 7.4 rushing touchdowns. That's still, you know, really good for a quarterback like him. And then we saw the breakout season through the air. Um, I think the fact that he has Stefan Diggs and offensive coordinator Brian Dables still with the team, 
that's going to help the continuity. So I'm not projecting much regression for Josh Allen this year. You know, the ceiling's the limit with him with his dual threat ability. So I, you know, I have him neck and neck with Patrick Holmes heading into 2021. Absolutely. I can't put him ahead of Mahomes, but I think he is, he's got a, a clear case for the, for the number two uh, quarterback position. I mean, the rushing touchdowns have been there. Um, he's a big guy. So I, I think I worry about him running a little bit less than I do uh, a guy like Kyler Murray or a guy like Lamar Jackson. Um, and then of course, Dak Prescott coming off the injury. Um, so I, I worry about those guys a little more holding up. Whereas Allen, I think um, just because of how humongous he is, um, I think he, he's going to be a, a consistent rushing threat going forward. Uh, I like him as that QB two spot. Uh, as far as the backs go, you know, that's kind of been the issue in Buffalo. The touchdowns, right? It's Singletary, Zach Moss. Um, how many touchdowns do they get? And where do you take them, you know, given that Josh Allen is going to be in a pitcher? First of all, you know, what's your breakdown of, of Singletary Moss, just their workload uh, split heading into the year? Well, I mean, first off, I, I want to love these running backs. This is one of the elite offenses in the NFL, which is typically when you want to, you know, invest in the running game. Uh, but it, it's hard to get excited about either one of these guys, um, considering it's a pass-heavy team. And Josh Allen is the best runner on the team. Um, so, you know, Zach Moss, his, his touchdown upside is capped, certainly by Josh Allen. And then his receiving upside is capped by Dev Devin Singletary. And then I think adding Matt Breida as the number three, running back in the offense caps both of their ceilings. I have this pretty split heading into the year. I've, I've heard rumors that Zach Moss might inherit more of a workhorse role, but I just don't see it. I think as long as Singletary's healthy, he's going to eat into to Moss's, obviously his receiving share, but also the, the running game. So um, I'm staying away from this group as a whole. I'm a little bit worried about Singletary. I, I would consider him a good upside stash. But with Matthew Breida on the on the team now, he he overlaps with his skill set a little bit more. So I think even if Zach Moss goes down, I don't think Singletary will necessarily be an RB two, RB three value like he would last year. Um, so just overall, it's just it's too murky. Josh Allen is this offense, so I'm staying away from all these backs. It's interesting because Moss is going in, in fantasy pros uh, half PPR consensus ADP. Uh, Moss is going as the RB thirty eight. Singletary's going as the RB40, so you have Moss a couple of spots ahead. I really don't think Brita is going to be a factor. I, I feel like you're on your Matthew Friedman shit. <laughs> you're taking over his, his role as, like, hyping up a number three running back. I think Brita is going to have the exact same role as TJ Yeldon, which is, like, active for special teams or inactive, period. Like, or, you know what I mean? Or Because, yeah. actually, Yeldon didn't even play special teams, if, if I'm not mistaken. So it was more so active if they need a third back because one of the top two are, you know, not healthy, I think. Uh, but Breida can play special teams. That, that's what I'm trying to say. So I think he'll be active, um, unlike Yeldon sometimes, who was a scratch. But I don't think he will really see the field much. Because if, even if you look at how, you know, Dable and Sean McDermott kind of broke out the, the running back usage last year, it was all Moss and, and Singletary, really. And, you know, when, when Moss went down, you just saw almost all Singletary in the postseason. So I, I'm not really concerned about Breida. I do think having these two guys going at 38 and 40 um, on a high-powered offense, I think there's some intrigue there. But I would look to Moss uh, as a higher upside guy this year. I, I do agree with you that I think Singletary's thought of as more the pass down back and and the splits with and without Moss last year for Singletary, um, he got a, he got more usage, like significantly more usage in the run game in the games Moss was out again because they don't like to use that that third back, whoever it may be, like we breeded this year. So I, I think Moss is a high upside guy that 
has an outside shot at a top 24 finish. Whereas Singletary, I think he's kind of going to be that RB3 flex guy, uh, you know, regardless. As far as the wideouts go, Stephon Diggs, I'm assuming he's, you know, top five guy. Uh, for you this year, he's going as the wide receiver three. I don't think there's really much to talk about with him. He gets open. It's a it's a offense that loves to throw the ball. But um, here's one uh, that I think is interesting. You have Cole Beasley. You have Gabe Davis entering year two. Uh, and then you have uh, the new addition, Emmanuel Sanders, kind of taking over for that John Brown role, maybe a little bit of a different receiver. Um, how do you see that battle shaking out? Yeah, like I, I was so excited about Gabriel Davis heading into the season and then they signed Emmanuel Sanders and that just evaporated. But you want to invest in this Bills passing game. So like you said, we don't need to talk about Stephon Diggs. I'm still interested in, you know, Beasley, Davis and Sanders. Um, we have to remember that John Brown missed nine games last year. So I think Beasley and Davis, you know, benefited from that. So when, you know, all four receivers are healthy, it kind of like cannibalizes itself. But I think Beasley is the safest play. I think he has th- that role entrenched in this offense. You know, he's going to be a high four player every week. But with Josh Allen's breakout, he does have a higher ceiling than we've seen in the past. So I love getting Beasley as like my wide receiver four or five in a PPR format. And then when it comes to Gabe Davis and Emmanuel Sanders, I mean, it's anyone's guess at this point. I think Emmanuel Sanders is going to be more involved than people would like to think. Um, so right now I have them projected neck and neck, really, when it comes down to receptions. Uh, but obviously Davis has the higher ceiling. Um, so I think in best ball formats, he's the guy who would take late later on. And, you know, hope you would hope like uh, Beasley or Sanders goes down. But right now I think they all sort of cap each other's ceiling. It's definitely a situation where it's not ideal because you have three guys. The way I would attack it is I think it's all Gabe Davis for me. I don't know if I'm going to own much uh, of the other two guys uh, because, and this is strictly a, a play on, Something that, you know, will come up at various times, I'm sure, uh, throughout th- this podcast, but aging curves, right? So you have uh, Cole Beasley in his mid-30s, you know, early to mid-30s. You have uh, Manuel Sanders in his mid-30s. Those are years where you start seeing, you know, big dips in wide receiver production year over year. You know, not just the efficiency, um, but, you know, just the per-game production. Guys tend to get hurt more, whereas Gabriel Davis – um, is entering his age 22 season. And, and since um, Pro Football Reference began tracking you know, targets back in 1992, you're talking about a, a 36% increase in targets per game from age 21 to age 22, 40% increase in receptions per game, 38% increase in yards per game, 33% increase in touchdowns per game. So you expect Davis to make that big year one a year two leap. Uh, and he's what, what did they call him on that on that game last year? Mr. Perimeter or something. He was just making all those crazy catches against uh, uh, Baltimore, I believe it was. Um, so I think Davis is the guy you want to own, especially because he's he's going wide receiver 64 right now, whereas you have Beasley going at 46. I think Davis has the upside to pay off Beasley's ADP, whereas Beasley, you know, is more likely to kind of fall down into the into that next bracket or or you know start to, to struggle with injuries and then Manuel Sanders at 74 I mean he could be a value I agree I think he'll be a little more involved but you know when is he going to start really declining you know he played 17 games a couple of years ago he he's getting up there in age I, I just I think Davis is the guy you want to own just just because of those aging curves that we've seen you know for the past you know three decades even though it's crowded we definitely want to attack uh the Bills wide receivers there's just too much potential in this offense 
All right, so we're going to do, you know, and we don't need to talk about the tight ends much. I mean, you have Jacob Hollister there. You have Dawson Knox there. Hollister's a little better pass catcher, I think. I, I don't think these guys are going to be too fancy relevant unless you're in deep leagues. Uh, so get right into our Bills prop, Sean. Yeah, so my prop is we, we kind of talked about it, but who will have more receptions this year, Gabe Davis or Emmanuel Sanders? I have the, I, I do have it close. Uh, I have Gabe Davis with about five more, four more to be exact, but – uh, I'm going Davis, you know, without even without question, and because I I just think the upside is much greater. I think the uh, you know being a 22 year old wide receiver and Sanders heading into his age 34 season, I, I just think there's a lot more potential for missed games with Sanders. You know, an improbable comeback coming off that that nasty injury a couple years ago. But uh, yeah, I, I think Gabriel Davis is the guy. You know, and that's that's going to be my number two target. And I just think he's the best value uh, of the three with Sanders seconds and, and Beasley third. So um, that's where I'm putting it. What do, what do you have it at? Just curious. Do you have I, Sanders I have or more? Well, the reason I ask is I have them both at 46. Now oh, okay. I have Gabe Davis with a hundred more yards and one more touchdown. He's going to be way more efficient with his targets and he has way more upside. Uh, but I just think, I, I think Emmanuel Sanders is going to be frustrating for Gabe Davis owners as long as he's healthy um, because they're, they're talking about using him pretty heavily. So um, that that's my only concern. It sounds like we're, we're pretty much um, in line with projections. I mean, yeah, 46 each. I mean, I just, yeah, I think Davis has a, a bigger chance of, I guess, blowing that one up out of the water on the upside. So yeah, let's go to the Miami Dolphins to a tongue of Iloa entering year two, somewhat of a disappointing year last year. I guess the first question with Tua, you know, they get, they get uh, Jalen Waddle, uh, they get, uh, Parker back, obviously. So what can two would be a relevant fantasy quarterback, assuming he starts all of the games? Like, does he have that kind of late round quarterback appeal or is he a guy that should be going, you know, in that quarterback 24, 23, 24 range that he's going right now? No, I, I think he does have that talent to, to be worth it as ADB, ADP. And uh, you forgot one guy that they added. It's Will Fuller. Yeah. How could I? Yeah. It's my guy, man. How could I forget him? Yeah. He's going to be out week one. But after that, you know, I think he and Waddle are why I like Tua. Um, Now, Tua certainly hurts those guys' fancy prospects. Like, I'm not necessarily targeting those guys um, because of Tua, but I think they both help elevate Tua's ceiling. I mean, he has to break out this year. If he doesn't, the Dolphins are in trouble. Um, I think it'll help that, you know, he doesn't have Ryan Fitzpatrick on the sideline. He, you know, this is his job. I think we can count on him to start every game when he's healthy. Um, so I think that that comfort level of him and the, the potential he still has, I still think he has potential. I'm ranking him as uh, my QB 18. So I think he's well worth ADP right now. And so you think Brissett, you know, was kind of, is not on the same level of Fitzpatrick in terms of a threat to, to, to his starting role, I guess. You could say. No, 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 not at all. I think, you know, he might be a threat if, if they start to use him like the Colts did as some like goal line back. Um, that will be infuriating, and that's something that you know will impact Tua's uh, you know projections considerably. But right now, I just think they're going to use him 100 percent of the time. I think last year was just you know Brian Flores just being cold blooded um, and doing whatever it takes to win. I think uh, they're they're going to trust Tua. This is a normal off season. Um, Tua is coming off a pretty significant injury heading into his rookie season, so I just I think we have to kind of um, look past a lot of the, um, the 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 warts that he had in his rookie season. I think Tua has some upside there. I don't think I'm as high as 18. I think I'm still in the 20s with Tua um, just because I do think there's that uncertainty of, you know, how much are they going to use Brissett? Are they going to use him on the goal line? 
Um, two is not really a big scrambler uh, like or, or anything, so he's not adding as much rushing. So you're, it's all dependent on you know these receivers staying healthy and really being as advertised. Um, that that would kind of prop him up. So uh, I'm not going into the teens yet. Uh, what about the running game? You have Miles Gaskin had a breakout year last year. His standing is kind of, you know, is he really the guy or, you know, is, is somebody else going to eventually take over? Kind of like he emerged last year. Uh, what do you think of Gaskin? Uh, I hate to say this, but he is like my prototypical frozen pond type of running back. <laughs> I mean, you want to love the guy like heading into week one. I'm going to project him pretty highly, but just over the course of the season, we don't know, man. I mean, he was a seventh round talent, so we can't bank on his talent. Uh, you know, you kind of alluded to it. We we can't trust that he'll be the starter all season long. And like I mentioned already, Brian Flores is pretty cold-blooded. He comes from that Bill Belichick coaching tree where, you know, he has no qualms to just bench a guy out of the blue. So I think it could be a hot hand approach. I mean, they have Selvin Ahmed and uh, Malcolm Brown now. So, you know, it's no guarantee that Gaskin's going to be the starting back all season long. So I think I'm a little bit cautious taking him at his ADP in the, you know, 25 to 30 range. I think, you know, you're taking him high enough where he does, you know, he has to start 10 plus games to hit at ADP. Um, so I'm shying away. Um, and, you know, just, I, I'm more interested in maybe taking the backups at a cheaper price because this, I think this running game could be pretty volatile week to week. I'm a little more into Gaskin. I think he's uh, just because he's going at that back end, he's the RB 24 in terms of ADP. He's kind of going at the back end of that RB two um, tier or you're a high-end you know flex high-end rb3 um, but I, I just look at you know when he went down last year and you know he missed four games and then he came back and that first game back he played 71 percent of the snaps and had 23 touches he, he essentially retained his role and then you know he misses a couple more games on the COVID list and comes back and plays 76 percent of the snaps um, so he was right on his you know normal season averages I mean, he played well uh, for the most part. I think he's a, a real plus as a receiver for them. Uh, Flores did say he's kind of their, their spread back, and I think they're going to run a lot of that, especially, you know, upgrading at receiver. So just looking at their depth chart, it's hard to see who would, who would jump him. You know, Malcolm Brown was added. I think we kind of know what Brown is at this point. He's a, a good veteran to have on a roster. He's probably upgraded on a guy like Patrick Laird. But overall, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really – think that Ahmed, just given the fact that Gaskin took that rollback so easily, is much of a threat either. So I actually like that they got Brown. I think that makes it a little more comfortable than if they had gotten someone uh, better, I guess you could say. So um, I don't yeah, mind we'll Gaskin. I, I mean, Raybon, that's the thing with the frozen pond. He looks great on the service. But right. Nice. So <laughs> you could just you think, know. yeah, you just have yeah. to be careful. Yeah, no, I just don't think he's a bad back is what I'm saying. Right, like, I don't right. think he's he's like they're just actively looking to upgrade, I guess, is what I'm saying. Like, you know, it could happen. He's at he has only a, what? A and I, I think, year. yeah, and it was a good endorsement from that. They didn't attack running back until the seventh round. Um, so I think, you know, he survived the NFL draft. But Brian Flores, he's going to be hard to trust, similar to Belichick when it comes to running backs. Absolutely. Yeah. Belichick school. Um, and then what, what, are you, what, are you, what are you looking at for Waddle in terms of his outlook for, for year one? I want to like him, but like I said, just with Tua, you're you're kind of banking on Tua having a year two breakout. Um, so I think he certainly makes stacks. If you're playing best ball, stack Waddle with Tua, you're kind of banking on Tua having that breakout. But I, I think Waddle helps Tua more than the other way around. Uh, I just don't know how the, the snaps are going to be distributed with Fuller once he's back. Waddle, you have Devontae Parker. I mean, Preston Williams still might factor in. And then Mike Jacecki. I just don't know if there's enough yards 
to go around to be um, really content with Waddle. You know, he has that big playability, but he's going to need volume um, to be a consistent player. So I think he's a guy where, you know, if Will Fuller eventually misses time, that's when he'll probably hit his, you know, wide receiver tier, wide receiver receiver three potential. Uh, But it's hard to really like him um, at his current ADP as much as, you know, I, I think he has the talent to be a wide receiver too. It's just really hard to project um, this team right now. Yeah. And you mentioned Gasicki. So I'll just ask one more question before we get into our Dolphins prop out of, you have Fuller at wide receiver 35, Parker wide receiver 42, Waddle wide receiver 45 in, in ADP. And then you have Mike Gasicki at tight end number 10 in ADP. Who's the best value out of those four? If you get Devontae Parker a bit later, he tends to be the wide receiver that people draft the the latest in drafts. I think just taking the cheapest guy, honestly, out of that trio is the way to go because it's it's going to be so even. And, you know, he already has some chemistry with Parker. So I think that bodes well for Parker heading into 2021. But like I said, I, I think this is a, a, a tricky um, wide receiver trio to project right now. So I, I'd be more interested in just you know, stacking them in best ball. You don't know which weeks these guys are going to go off. So best ball kind of helps, um, you know, a lazy person decide when to start guys. Um, so I, I think Parker right now, I'd lean uh, to go later in the drafts. Ooh, we got to get some side action. Cause I think, I, I think I'd have Parker the worst value out of those guys because I'm looking at what happened last year and, and Tua was disappointing, obviously. And what did Miami do in the offseason? They go out and essentially upgrade their top two spots from like, you know, Parker and Gesicki to, you know, Fuller and, you know, Watto potentially even this year could be, um, could usurp those guys. So I, I actually think Fuller's still the best because I think he's the best player of that, of, of, of that bunch. And, you know, before he got that suspension, I mean, he was one of the best receivers in the NFL. I think he still has that potential. So um, I, I think it's forward for me with Waddle second, just because I, I, I don't think they were happy with their with their receiving core last year. So this, that's going to be an interesting yeah. one. To yeah, I, I'm projecting I'm projecting Fuller and Waddle higher. I'm just saying there's some drafts where Parker falls into the wide receiver 55 range. Oh, so yeah, again, this is yeah. Value. I, I agree with you. I, Fuller and Waddle definitely just raw projection way higher than Parker. All right. So what's our Dolphins prop? So my Dolphins prop is two uh, touchdown passes. And considering I'm higher on him than you, you might go under here. But uh, I have the line set at 23 and a half. That's actually pretty close to what I have it. I believe I have it. Yeah, right, actually, I have it a little above. I have it at 24 point something. I, I do have him projected for um, to start 16 games. So that's, you know, there's some uncertainty there, I think, you know, there's a floor there, but if he plays his median to his median, um, I, I think he go, throws about one and a half touchdowns per game, uh, considering who's on the team now. You know, Fuller's a guy that, you know, he, he, he can catch touchdowns. We've seen that in the past. Um, Waddle and, uh, you know, Parker's obviously and, and Gesicki are still good players and, and Gaskin's a good receiver out of the backfield. So, yeah, I, I think he has a lot of upside. Um, and yeah, I'm right. I'm right with you there. I'm right around that 24 mark. All right, let's go to the the New England Patriots. Mac Jones drafted. How does he change the outlook for the offense? Does he change it this year? Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's the question for you, right? Uh, is how are we handling this QB situation? So right now I'm projecting the Pats to average 219 passing yards per game when Cam's QB and about 242 in Mac Jones' quarterback. So I'm projecting camera on nine games started and Mac around seven games. So I'm projecting this offense to average roughly 200, 
30 yards passing a game. Um, so that's going to change as I, uh, you know, move Cam and Max projected game started up or down. That's sort of like my baseline for this passing offense. So in summary, Mac Jones, I think is going to help out, you know, the receivers and tight ends significantly. And I think even running backs because Cam Newton, you know, he hogs up so much of that rushing touchdown upside around the goal line. So technically Mac Jones is better for fantasy for all players. Um, so this is, you know, this is going to be a camp battle. I'm going to be watching closely and it's going to impact all my Patriot projections as I tweak these uh, projected games played. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so tough right now. I have them about equal, but uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little more in a second. I just want to talk about all of the skill position players that you have kind of incoming. You have Nelson Aguilar, you have Kendrick Bourne, you have Hunter Henry, you have Johnny Smith. What did you think of the kind of reshuffling the Patriots did? And who do you think will emerge if anyone is like a consistent week to week guy uh, at, at receiver for New England? Oh, I mean, I hated their offseason moves. I'm glad that they upgraded at nearly every position they had to after last season. So I think whoever starts quarterback is going to benefit from these moves. But, you know, having Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith on the same team, it just kills both of their projections for me. I'm off both. Um, and then especially a wide receiver, you know, like Jacoby Myers, I want to love him heading into the season. But, you know, with Nelson Aguilar there, Kendrick Bourne, it's it's hard to, you know, sort this out, um, especially if, if Cam Newton ends up starting 10-plus games you know, I'm not going to want many of these guys. So I've been focusing more on the running game as of now until we get a bit more clarity. But it, it's just hard to like anybody because when you do projections, you, you kind of see how targets are disp- distributed and where upside might be. And I'm just not seeing it um, in this offense. I think the, the additions help whoever ends up playing quarterback this year is basically uh, where I'm at. Henry and Smith tight end 12 and 13. Uh, I think that's probably you know, the best bet, just if you're looking for any type of, you know, consistency tight end is harder to find that. And those two guys, uh, it would seem to me by the fact that they have Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne and and Jacoby Myers projected to start at wide receiver. It would seem to me that Henry and Smith are going to be the focal points of the offense. Those are the two guys that if you look at their targets per route run, which is pretty predictive, even when you change teams, because it's just how well you get open. Obviously other factors come into play too, but um, those guys are the two guys that lead the way in terms of their career numbers. So I think Henry will be the number one option because he has been targeted on a higher basis per route than, than Smith. But I think that's your best bet. You have Aguilar at wide receiver 58 and you have Myers and, and born out of the top hundred uh, best ball. Maybe one of, you know, I think Myers probably is the best value out of those guys just because we've seen him do the five catch per game thing, right? Like we've seen him be that number one receiver. And even with Aguilar and born in a mix, I think, I think Myers might still be the number one, or at least, the, you know, the, the most productive Patriot wide receiver. Cause I think these, those other two guys are more complimentary and we've seen Myers in a little bit more of a lead role. Um, so yeah, it's, it's tough though. I, I think I go at Myers as a best ball dart uh, and, and then a running back. We had Harris finally come on last year. Um, but it, it's, you mentioned it, it's the Patriots. We never really know what they're going to do. Any thoughts on their backfield? Yeah, this is a mess um, on the surface. When you do projections, it's really hard to do the Patriots. But uh, I actually like Damian Harris right now at his ADP. You know, he's around the 34, 35 range. That's when you can take gambles. Um, And, you know, there's certain paths to upside here where we can get ahead of his ADP going up, um, you know, once we get closer to training camp. One of the paths is they trade away Sonny Michelle. Um, You know, it's certainly possible. but also there's another path here where they announced Mac Jones is the week one starter. I think both 
scenarios, his ADP shoots up into the high 20s. Um, either way, like even if neither one of those happen, I think he's a fair price at running back 34. Um, so he's a guy I'm just, you know, we're talking about like mid July best ball drafts. He's a guy I'm just trying to get ahead of potential news where his ADP jumps up. So I like him. And like you said, he finally broke out last year. I think they trust him in sort of that old Sony Michelle role. So, um, you know, hopefully they, they realize they don't need both Harris and Sony Michelle and do something with Michelle that, uh, it no longer involves them on this roster. Cause like you said, it is very tricky to project this, this running back. I want to say like trio, but it's more like a quad um, situation with Ron Moore St- Stevenson um, who they took in the fourth round. Um, he's a guy that could make some noise too. So uh, th- he's a potential guy to take later in best balls in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson, I, it, he might have like a Harris rookie year where I just don't know if he gets on, the, the active list all that often, especially if they don't trade Michelle, because you're going to have Harris and Michelle, you're going to need white for those passing downs. And, you know, you, you may have a special team or we'll see if, if Stevenson fills that role, but um, they've, they've had four backs active in the past. We know they'll use the fullback as well, but you're going to have that second tight end, you know, playing a bigger role. So you may have to keep an extra tight end active. So, you know, it, it's tough with him, but yeah, I like Harris at, at RB 34 uh, as well. I think he, he was the, he was the number three graded PFF back last year. Um, one of the higher rated backs in yards after contact, which is a lot more predictive than yards before contact for a running back. Um, and, and Harris was up over three in that. So uh, I, I think he's got some upside there and may continue to just be that, that feature back. Obviously uh, usurp Michelle last year. Uh, what's the Patriots prop? How many games will Mac Jones start? Uh, I have it at seven and a half right now. I'm going over. Uh, I, I do have it at eight and a half. So I just have him and Cam equal. I just really, at this point, don't think we know. But given Cam Newton's age, given how poorly he performed uh, against tougher competition last year, I, I just and in, given what the Patriots spent draft capital-wise on Mac Jones, even though they obviously got a good you know value for him considering where he – was projected to go initially uh, to the 49ers. I, I still think Cam is on, on, on really thin ice. And I think it, it's, it, it was an obvious need for an upgrade, you know, with him. And I think all the, the moves that they made were, were not to kind of help Cam Newton. It was to kind of transition this offense back to what they were doing with Tom Brady, a, a more Mac Jones like quarterback in terms of style, um, you know, in, in the early 2010. So I'm going eight, five, um, but that'll probably, rise i think cam could start the year i just i just don't think he finishes it either because of health or performance and uh speaking of quarterbacks the jets drafted a, a new one zach wilson broadway zach maybe maybe he's just another sam darnold uh, what do you think about this jets really it's a whole new team i mean you have new coach robert sala new offensive coordinator and michael floor new quarterback in zach wilson uh, you know just a lot of new pieces on this team what is your outlook of how the how things will change for the Jets uh, this year compared to the last couple with, with Darnold, that quarterback? You already mentioned it, but yeah, no more Adam Gase to rejoice. We can finally invest <laughs> in the Jets again. I think I, I'm not going to shy away from Zach Wilson. I think he's worth a flyer, especially in best ball. You know, he's going to have his ups and downs, his rookie season. But, you know, he has that dual threat ability we love in fantasy. And he's he's has a very aggressive playing style. Um, and he has a ton of weapons around him. You know, I feel bad for Sam Darnold. He didn't have the same supporting cast that Zach Wilson's going to have. Um, we, we'll talk about it when we get to receivers, but I think he has a ton of weapons. Um, he's in a position to succeed this year. So I think, you know, especially if you get him in the, you know, QB 28 range, 
in a best ball format, sign me up for that. Oh yeah. Zach Wilson to me is a steal. Like this is, it's actually crazy that we're like, there's been more off season talk about this Darnold move to Carolina, which I think is just kind of a low upside kind of fallback move for them. And Zach Wilson, who, yeah, he's not perfect yet. You know, his schedule was weaker in 2020, you know, the competition level is a question, but I mean, you just watch this guy play. He can make every throw. He's falling every which way it's pinpoint. It's not just a strong arm. He's accurate. Uh, This could just be a, Huge surprise for people that are sleeping on Zach Wilson and this entire offense, you know, because obviously the quarterback is going to factor in the most. So at, at, that's why, I, like, you know, guy like Tua Tagovailoa, like, um, I, I have Wilson ranked above him. I, I think that Wilson, he's going to start from day one. That's not even, and he's going to get all the starts because you have no reason to bench him. Whereas there are some question marks about some of these other guys um, and how many starts they're going to make. Um, and then the arm talent for me really, really pushes over the top. So I love Wilson. And, and then you mentioned the wide receivers. You have Corey Davis there. You have Elijah Moore. Now uh, the, the rookie drafted. And then, you know, you still have Denzel Mims entering year two. How do you think this, this, this kind of shakes out as far as where the targets go? Oh, man, I, I love Elijah Moore. I think he's, he's one of my favorite rookies. And I was hoping, I was just praying that they would cut Jamison Crowder. But they restructured his contract, so they kept him on. So that that makes us very messy. Rumor has it that Denzel Mims, while he's one of the more talented receivers on this roster, he just doesn't fit well in this LaFleur slash Shanahan style um, scheme. So he could be phased out. He could be the wide receiver four, which, which is a shame. Um, so I'm expecting Keelan Cole to get more targets than him this year. And oh, then, wait, 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 wait. Now we got we to gotta go back to that. That's an interesting – and it's, it's not crazy. I just want to stop you because – it's fat. It's important because I always think it's really important to look at not just the players and how they performed. And, you know, everyone always has their little buzzy reasons for being higher on a player, being a player's truther, but you look at what a team did and try to figure out what they're thinking. Okay. You know, Sal and LaFleur come in, they keep Crowder. They could have cut him. They go out and get Corey Davis. They could have stuck with just Mims Crowder. Um, and, and, you know, they draft Elijah Moore, you know, if they knew they were going to spend you know, capital on a receiver, they didn't have to go out and get Corey Davis even. They could have said, okay, we're going to count on that year one, a year two week for Mims. So it's really interesting because on one hand you have, okay, we usually expect these big jumps from, from got talented, you know, higher, you know, day one, day two picks like Mims. But at the same time, you're saying he might end up like fifth on the depth chart because they also, not only did they go get Davis and, and more and decide to keep a veteran in Crowder, but they also get another pretty dependable guy that can play all three positions in Keelan and Cole. So, so you think Mims actually ends up like fifth? Yeah, it's a mess. And like, I love Denzel Mims. Like I was so excited for him entering this year, but you just hit the nail on the head. All these moves indicate, I, and yeah, we have to remember they inherited Denzel Mims. It's not like they drafted him last year. This is a new regime, new coaching. So they, you know, Mims doesn't fit their plans is what I'm afraid of. Um, so I'm down on him. And, you know, even when you mentioned Corey Davis, like, I'm down on him as well because, A, this is a crowded wide receiver group, but, you know, he won't benefit from teams putting all the resources into stopping A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry and Johnny Smith. I mean, he's going to be the focal point. So he's going to have to go up against Gilmore, against Tredavious White, against Xavier Howard two times a year. Like, he's going to draw the defensive, um, you know, double teams potentially, but he's going to draw the best cornerback for every team. So I think he helps open up for a guy like Elijah Moore. So I think out of this group, Elijah Moore is the only guy I'm like, attacking at ADP because I think he has so much upside and he fits the scheme perfectly. So Elijah Moore is the guy I'm um, targeting. 
Yeah, I love more at wide receiver 56. I think that's a that's a perfect way to put it. You know, Corey Davis, I mean, I actually think he does have some some upside because again, I I just think really highly of Zach Wilson. I think Zach Wilson has top 12 quarterback upside, you know, straight up. Like he's going QB 27 right now. I think he could finish in the top 12. That's how much I like him. Um, so I think Davis just being that top target or, you know, he has the requisite upside that comes with that with, you know, with Wilson and his yard, his targets per route run has been increasing. Um, so I think there's still a lot to like with Davis. Um, whereas, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I think Mims is the odd man out. Uh, and I think Crowder will still be sneaky in, in PPR. You know, he's going as the, you know, the number 55 and Davis is actually going 49. I misspoke. So 49, I liked, I actually liked the value for Davis and Crowder uh, and, and more at 49, 55 and 56, because, you're essentially just assuming that, that Zach Wilson is, is is a bottom five quarterback with these rankings like this, and the Jets still aren't going to get much from the tight end position. So um, what what is our Jets prop that you got for us? Uh, so my prop is Elijah Moore, total receptions. Um, I have that at 52 and a half right now. Ooh, I, I have it under, um, but I like, I like where you're, I like where you're at. Cause I, I think, I think the median's a little lower. Um, I have it around 40, but I do think, and that's again, because of the uncertainty, because of Q and Cole, the yeah. fifth wide receiver factoring in that there's not many teams that even have a fifth receiver projected at this point um, or fourth, you know, could be like you said. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm being a little conservative, but I do like the upside. And I do like the value uh, of where he's going ADP wise. Um, it, it, it's cold does scare me because it's kind of like the Jags receivers last year where you could like, you could have liked any one of them and they all gave you some good weeks, but because you had Cole, you know, kind of factoring in more than we thought. And, you know, it was just kind of more of a four man show, even without the tight end playing much of a role. Um, and I, I, I fear it could be like that again, but certainly like him. Um, I, I'm, I'm not as high as 50 uh, plus catches yet though but um zach wilson's really the guy i'm i'm i'm, it, it, I'm looking at and and therefore i think in best ball draft some jet stacks they're all cheap you can get them all um and we didn't even mention the running backs uh, do you think it's coleman leading the way or, or carter yeah maybe not week one uh i mean it's a mess and now i'm hearing that josh adams has a chance to win the week one starter role so i, I think it gives us a chance to find <laughs> carter but yeah i i'm avoiding it for now i mean we have five backs where any one of them can be the week one starter so they're very tricky to project right now. Yeah, I think Carter, I like Carter at, at running back 39. Rookie running backs tend to outperform their ADP. Again, Zach Wilson, if he's just, if he's like, in fantasy terms, he's even like 10 spots better in, in ADP than, he, than, he, than, he, than he's ranked. Because he would still be like a borderline top 20 guy. Uh, this offense, like everyone else's ADP probably shoots up or, or their performance should shoot up like 10 spots, you know, so... I do like Carter. I think he has a chance to be a top 24 guy. I think Coleman's going to kind of be the same, you know, eight to 10 touch guy. He's always been with Shanahan. Um, and, and then I, I'm looking out now that you mentioned it about Denzel Mims being the new Dante Pettis. Pettis went from oh a promising That's rookie so year to 24 targets and 11 catches in year two under Shanahan with Salah there on defense. I mean, Hey, yeah, I mean, that was a good comparison. You know, like, yeah, no, you're right. That's why uh, I hate it. Like, I want Mims to be a uh, four-plus catch game. Got, like, that's how much I love him, but I think you're – I'm afraid you're right. That When you said Cole, that just – I mean, I hadn't really thought of Cole as the uh, jumping Mims, but it's certainly possible. Let's go to AFC Central. Uh, Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson. Uh, we're still doing a, you know, top four quarterback with him. He's he's the QB4 in ADP. Uh, any thoughts on him and – 
Um, you know, is that is that about right? Do you like him over Kyler or, or Jackson or, or any or anybody? Uh, excuse me, or Allen um, in that for that two spot? Uh, I have met QB four. I don't think I would take him over Kyler, um, but I certainly think all four of these are very close. Um, so I'm willing to wait. And if you can get Lamar as your QB four, you're potentially getting the QB one overall. So um, I love getting Lamar late, especially if this Ravens offense becomes a bit more balanced. You know, they added Sammy Watkins, uh, Rashad Bateman, and Tylen Wallace in the draft. Um, they certainly have the weapons to be a more balanced attack and, you know, have him throw more. Uh, he he can return to his QB1 form that we saw in 2019. So I love getting him um, at ADP right now. And Mark Andrews, uh, you know, at tight end for the Ravens, he's still a, a top four guy as well. Um, not too much to talk about with him. Uh, the wide receivers are kind of interesting. So, you know, they go out and they get Sammy Watkins. They have, they go get Bateman. They still have uh, Marquise Brown is, I mean, Brown's at wide receiver 44, Bateman's at 60. And then you have, you know, Wallace at 98. You have Watkins, you know, in the seventies, any of those guys stand out as values or you think it's going to continue to be the Mark Andrews show mainly uh, for the Ravens? Yeah, I mean, it'll be the Mark Andrews show. Um, but I, I think Marquise Brown is sneaky. You know, his ADP's dipped a bit, and rightfully so. Um, you know, there's more weapons in this offense. But, you know, he could benefit um, for there being more talent. Like, he, he's the kind of guy, he doesn't need that many targets to hit value. Um, so he's kind of a sneaky flyer later in the drafts. And, you know, he really came on at the end of last year. From weeks 12 through 17, he was wide receiver nine. Um, so he's had flashes of, you know, having this, you know, wide receiver one upside, you know, a few weeks at a time and then disappears. So he's inconsistent, which, you know, is why he'd be your wide receiver for, you know, the guy that you stash on your bench, he could hit this year. Um, so I, I like taking him as the the bench stash, whereas Watkins and Bateman, um, you know, one of them could pop, but who knows? I, I just think they make Lamar better than the other way around. So I'm, I'm avoiding anybody behind Marquise Brown at this point. Yeah. And it, it, when you say one of them could pop, Bateman could pop. Like, it's not oh. going to be Sammy Watkins. Like, it's not, it's just not, it's not going to be, man. Like, it's over yeah, for this dude. This dude could not even pop with 50 touchdown league MVP, richest man, you know what I mean? Quarterback ever, like, couldn't pop with him outside of, you know, a few games here and there because they're everyone's covering Tyreek and Kelsey. Like, he's essentially like, he, he's, he's washed. I'm just going to put it out there. It's a lower volume, a much lower volume offense with a not as good passer. It's got to be Bateman. I do think Brown has some upside because he's still the guy that would, like you said, get free. But it, it, like there you can get you can get like promising rookies that maybe wide receiver one or twos by the end of the year. Like or, at least, you know, at least wide receiver twos like uh, St. Brown in Detroit, uh, Des Fitzpatrick in Tennessee. Like you can get these guys after uh Sammy Watkins in drafts which is absolutely like even a Darius Slayton like you know like you have guys that could legit be like a number a top two three option for their team uh over a guy that's been that for the best passing team and still has done nothing it, Sam, like I his I, I like I'm, I'm ready to say Demarcus Robinson is gonna outperform Sammy Watkins at this point you could get Robinson after him too oh, like God. that's I'm just <laughs> I'm all the way out uh on on Sammy Watkins give me Byron Pringle uh, 17 spots later in best ball. And I'm not, I'm not joking in the slightest Paris Campbell. I mean, the, the names on this list, like you, that, that you see an ADP after Watkins, it's just absurd. Don't I'm not, don't draft him. That's, that's my, that's my advice on him. Uh, but JK Dobbins, RB 15, Gus Edwards, RB 41. Is that, is that the right split? 
No, I, I think it should be closer. Um, and, you know, obviously Dobbins is the way better talent. Like, I'll, I'll give you that. But if you look at weeks eight through 17 last year, well, after uh, Mark Ingram was pretty much phased out of the offense, you know, what we expect going into this year, you know, the, the percent of team rushes, uh, rush attempts were pretty close. J.K. Dobbins had 32%. Uh, Gus Edwards had 25%. So it's pretty close. Rush attempts inside the five. Uh, Dobbins had seven and Gus Edwards had nine. Obviously Dobbins is way more efficient with those. He scored six touchdowns on those. Um, And then when it comes to targets, Edwards topped them in 11 targets to 10. Um, So I I just think, (laughs) yeah, it's, and you don't think of Gus Edwards as a pass catching back. Now Dobbins. So so Sammy Watkins is going to take the Gus Edwards role. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) So, So, you know, we expect Dobbins to, you know, get way more of the share heading into this year, but you know, it should be a little bit closer. So I just love getting Edwards later in the draft. Um, he could have flex value. Um, you know, when we're expecting a positive game script, if, if the Ravens are double digit favorites, let's say um, you'll know when to play Edwards. So I just love taking Edwards in that range. And then he has running back two potential in the event that Dobbins goes down. So I just think that based on the ADP Edwards is the back to target here. Yeah, I mean, RB15, that's, I mean, you're going, you're talking about ahead of Josh Jacobs, Clyde Edwards, Elaire, DeAndre Swift, Chris Carson, David Mont, like guys that are like focal points of their offenses, whether you think they should be or not. I know people have different opinions on Montgomery and Carson and, and some of those guys, but the bottom line is like that. This is why I say I'm more open to a guy like Miles Gaskin at RB24 because I'm not sure Dobbins outperforms a guy like Gaskin because, yes, Dobbins you know, does have upside to be RB15, but you're taking him out of ceiling because the Ravens have always kind of mixed and matched backs because you, they, they, that's just kind of the philosophy to keep guys healthy. And, and they, there's such a run every offense that you kind of have to. So uh, yeah, I, I like Dobbins as a player. I wish he wasn't already being taken out of ceiling, but I think it's absurd that he's going ahead of, uh, again, guys like Jacobs and Carson and Sanders and Swift and, and, and Montgomery. I, I just think, um, he should be kind of in that, you know, 20 to 25 range. Then you're getting some decent upside. So um, what's our Ravens prop? Our Ravens prop is J.K. Dobbins rushing touchdowns. Um, I have the line set eight and a half. What do you got? <laughs> under, because I have it at 8.4, but <laughs> oh, we're right yeah. there. Way, I way mean, you're right. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it, can, it can go either way. I mean, it's such a run-heavy offense that, you know, he could easily end up with double-digit but I just think you're talking about a top 15 running back in terms of where you have to draft him. I just think you can't count on that from him, uh, you know, just based on what we've seen from how the Ravens are, are giving up carries in, in, in the past. So, um, yeah, I'll go under, but he's just a volatile. He's a frozen pine guy uh, for yeah. me, even though I think he's a great talent. Oh, let's move on to the Bengals. Uh, you have Joe Burrow coming off the injury. Uh, you have Mixon right around Dobbins ADP. I mean, who do you like more, Mixon or Dobbins uh, at running back? Oh, like Mixon by a mile. It's not even close. I, I will give you that Dobbins fits the frozen pond uh, description to a T. But yeah, Joe Mixon, if he stays healthy, I mean, he has top five potential this year, right? With Without Gio Bernard, yeah. hopefully we'll see him, you know, see the true workhorse role. So, you know, I, I love Joe Mixon this year. I think, you know, getting him um, at the end of the RB1 tier, I, I think you do it. I think labeling guys as injury prone 
um, can get you in trouble. I think just take Joe Mixon, assuming he'll be just as healthy as every other back. So I love his upside here. So uh, yeah, like sign me up for Mixon. And I, how dare you compare him at all to J.K. Dobbins? It's a completely, completely different situation. So give me Mixon all day. I, I, I'm doing it for the average drafter, which is, yeah. I mean, I, I think our listeners probably a little sharper than the average drafter. But still, if you're listening right now, it's still July. <laughs> you know, you have Mixon going RB14 and Dobbins going RB15. So this is a choice that people are, are, are having to make as they start, you know, ramping up their draft and pre-draft process. So, um, but I, I do like Joe Burrow as, as the QB12. I think there's some some upside there. I think um, they're still, they've thrown a ton um, in, in these years in, since, uh, since Taylor got there. Uh, and the main event that we have to talk about, the Bengals, Jamar Chase, Burrow's old running mate, is on the team. They, they draft him over a lineman, even though Burrow got hurt because he had no line. Uh, you know, offensive line play, tough to predict from year to year. I think it'll be a little better than last year. But, I mean, the, the sky's the limit for this pass offense, especially considering the volume. With, with, and then you have Chase and Higgins, right? Yeah, I'm curious to hear where you guys have these sorted out. I, I'm in line with ADP. I think, you know, Higgins and Chase, they're a bet on talent when it comes to the ADP, you know, that low end wide receiver two range. Uh, I love T Higgins. Love him. You can sell me on Jamar Chase there. Tyler Boyd, I think could lead the team in targets. So I think this just makes me like Joe Burrow than any one of these guys specifically. Uh, but how do you have these wide receivers sorted out? Cause I, I'm pretty much in line with uh, ADP right now. Yeah. I think I, I especially, I, I like Higgins. I like Higgins, Chase Boyd in that order. Um, I, I do think that, you know, Higgins going at, at 28 wide receiver, 28 chase at 31. Uh, I think both of those guys could actually beat their ADPs and uh, boy, I, like, I think the Bengals are a legit threat to have three top 30 wide receivers. Um, but I think Boyd is a guy who probably, you know, is around ADP or maybe a bit below. I, I think all three of those guys are very good receivers um, obviously. And, and let's remember AJ green controlled, you know, 30% of their air yards last year. And he was, not empty, producing at all air yards just completely yeah so so that like it, that just pumps burrow up more yeah. that that gives more space for higgins or you just give chase 30 percent, which then he's blowing up um and I, because the offense will be better almost unquestionably without aj green's empty inefficient targets that's better for tyra boyd and joe mixon like you said and there's still no tight ends i mean sample probably starts the soma you know who's coming off the injury so um, this is just a great situation. I wouldn't shy away from any Bengals wide receiver, um, but especially not Higgins and Chase. Uh, I, I think the, the, this team could be top five in pass attempts, just given their talent. Like, just, okay, we're good at passing, so we're going to pass. And that's what they've been doing, you know, from a, a mix of being, you know, bad as a team and being bad on defense, and but also just their coach likes to pass. So, yeah, yeah I, I love this Bengals team. What do you think about Auden Tate as like a good late round flyer? Because he's going to be sort of the Josh Reynolds role where if any one of these three goes down, like he'll step right in and take most of their snaps. So where do you like, do you think he's a good late round investment? Yeah, and definitely in a deeper uh, best ball format. Absolutely. You know, he's he's a guy that I believe he, they, they like him on special teams, too. So he should be active. Um, and this is a four wide receiver team a lot of the time because they don't have a lot at, at tight end. So um, what's our Bengals prop? Our Bengals prop is okay. So who's going to score more half point PPR fancy points, Jamar Chase or T Higgins? <laughs> this could go either way. I have them. I have them neck and neck. I actually have Chase a point one ahead. So literally, it's close per per, per game. One, I mean, oh, point, oh, one. I point one ahead per game per game. So it, like it could go either way. I I think 
you, you could make a case for either. I mean, Higgins obviously has that extra year of experience, but Chase is so talented. Um, and they're just going to help each other. I think week to week, it's just going to, it's going to be like a Julio Ridley thing or something like that. You know, that was, you know, it's, you may not be able to predict who's the better guy or, or who even finishes higher. Um, but I don't think it's going to matter. I think both of these guys have that, have, have immense potential to beat their ADP. So like I have chase, but just draft both. Don't, don't shy away yes. from either. <laughs> yeah, so I, I have Jamar Chase projected for literally one more point than T. Higgins. Oh, yeah. So we're right on. Yeah. It's yeah. about the same way you get. Yeah. Point one per week. It's, that's how you get. There. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. right. Let's go. Let's go to Cleveland. Uh, Baker Mayfield, you know, showed tremendous strides last year, but he's a guy that not really going to give you a ton rushing. So he's still QB 17 and ADP. I think that's fair. But uh, what are we doing this year with the backs for Cleveland? You know, we have Chubb. RB7 right now, Kareem Hunt, RB23. Is that about right to you? You think it should be closer? Oh, man, I, I love both backs. Farther. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm projecting Chubb right around there, uh, running back eight. But he's, like, one of the only running backs in the top ten where if the backup goes down, he's now, you know, I, I would project Chubb as a top three back, maybe top two, if Kareem Hunt were to ever miss time. We always talk about if Chubb were to miss time, Kareem Hunt would obviously be a top five, ten running back. But the reverse hasn't necessarily happened yet. Um, so, uh, you know, sign me up for Nick Chubb at his ADP. I think the the defense being improved, you know, last year they got in a bunch of shootouts because the defense was so horrible. Um, I think that helped Baker Mayfield at the end of the season, um, you know, when he just went off in a couple of games. But I think this improved defense, the moves they made in the offseason, it's going to help Nick Chubb out even more. This is still one of the best offensive lines in football. Like everything is setting up for Nick Chubb to just have an amazing season. So sign me up for him. And again, I always love getting Kareem Hunt in that RB24 range because, you know, he's going to provide that value week to week anyway. But any game that Nick Chubb misses, you're going to get a top five, top five, uh, top 10 running back with Kareem Hunt. So I love both running backs at their ADP. This this team is built um, to supply, you know, two uh, stud running backs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, wide receivers, Odell going as the wide receiver 25, Landry 39. Uh, any thoughts on those two guys? Because you, you mentioned it, it's going to be a better defense, but it's not like even with the shootouts last year, it's not like they were passing a ton. Obviously, Beckham goes down. That may have uh, you know factored in. Yeah, it's hard to like Beckham at his ADP at, at 25. He's obviously worth it in best ball. You know, he's their play action deep threat guy, but I just don't think he's going to get the volume to be a consistent week to week, you know, wide receiver one slash two, like we thought he'd be in this Browns offense. So I'm sort of off him. Whereas, you know, Landry, what you see is what you get. Um, I'm right in line with uh, ADP. You know, I think wide receiver 40 is a good range to target him, um, especially in PPR formats. But I, I are either one of these guys popping for you? Cause I, I just don't see it. No, nah, not, not guys. I'm excited to draft guys. I'm fine drafting at ADP. I think I have Beckham a couple ticks uh, lower than his ADP and, and Landry a couple ticks higher. I just don't think Beckham's the same player that he used to be. I mean, it, it's sad to say, I, I think he still can, you know, he's going to play, he's going to be out there. He's going to put up numbers, but, and, and the offense has improved on Stefanski, but yeah, I, you know, I think it's, it's, it's just a question of, do you think he's the same player? Then you're saying, okay, well, wide receiver 25, that could be a steal. I just, I just don't think he's the same player. I think him and Landry are a lot more equal now in, in talent and their ability to, to draw targets uh, in a given week. Austin Hooper, any love for him? I know he, he had some big games down the stretch, but he's kind of trapped in there with, with, uh, in, that, in that committee. 
Yeah, no, I mean, you can recall my love for Hooper uh, in the 2019 season when he had Dirk Cutter and he was on the Falcons. And then once he got traded to the Browns, I was off. You know, they they love using two, even three tight end sets. To Hooper's credit, he was still able to hog about 70% of the routes run per game. Uh, but it's just hard to love him. I think if they were to get rid of uh, David Joku, I, I might consider Hooper as ADP, but it's just hard to love him based on just their just heavy tight end usage. And I, I, I think Harrison Bryant um, has some sneaky upside. So, you know, count me out unless um, they, they cut Njoku and, you know, we can count on Hooper to get, you know, 80 plus percent of the uh, routes run. Um, but right now uh, I'm just off them completely. Yeah, I think it's too much. There's too many tight ends there. Uh, who, what is our Browns prop? Our Browns prop is um, Odell Beckham, uh, total receiving yards this year, over under, 875 and a half. I have him at 927, so I'll go over. Again, I just think this is – it's just volume. I think he'll be on the field when he's healthy. Um, you know, tough to know. Will he stay healthy? He's had a season where he played almost every snap. He's had years where he's gone down with freak injuries. I, I just don't think he's the same player. So that's why I even – you know, I don't, I'm not projecting him for like, you know, to miss a ton of games. It's just I don't think efficiency-wise he's the same guy he used to be. I don't think he can create after the catch as well as he used to. So um, – but I do have him at 927. So I'm going a little bit uh, – a little bit over there. But I'm pretty much in line with that with that range, you know, somewhere in the mid-800s to the mid-900s. This is Action Network podcast producer Matt Mitchell here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign-up offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. Pittsburgh Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger back. They have those three wide receivers. So we'll, we'll save Najee Harris, the, the rookie back for last. Uh, just want to get your thoughts on uh, how this, you know, heading into year two, you have Deontay Johnson at wide receiver 23 in ADP, uh, Chase Claypool at wide receiver 27, and then Juju going off the board 29. So you have three Steelers, um, going between 20 and 30, is that about right? And do you agree with the order of Deontay, Chase, and then Juju? It's about right. I think, you know, when it comes to, to floor and ceiling projections, I think Chase has the highest floor, uh, highest ceiling, excuse me. Uh, so he makes sense for best ball, whereas Juju probably has the higher floor. That makes sense for season-long leagues. And then Deontay has the best combination of both. 
Um, and last year, you know, I, I think he let down Big Ben and himself, of course, when it came to, to drops. He had 15 drops last year, which is a league high. So how do you factor in drops when it comes to making projections? Is that something that you, you know, negatively uh, affect your projections? Or is it something that you expect the player to bounce back? Like, I, I think it's a good sign that Deontay Johnson was getting drops because it meant he was getting open. So I think he left a lot of yards on the table. So I'm actually um, boosting his projections a bit by, um, you know, expecting him to regress closer to the mean on what you'd expect a, re- a receiver like him to be dropping the ball. But how, how do you factor in drops when it comes to projections? Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. It's it's, a, it's mostly regression to the mean based on their targets per route run and, and their catch rate. So, you know, the more a guy doesn't catch the ball, uh, the more his drops will be factored in, but still a lot, a lot of regression. Like it's, you're, you're, it's not as bad as like fumbles or something where it's almost completely random, but you're not expecting a guy to drop 15 more balls just because he dropped 15 balls, but you are expecting him to kind of continue that target share. But I do think it's interesting because I actually like the Steelers receivers at ADP in terms of value in their reverse order. Like I think Juju has the most value because I don't think they're going to use him the same way as they did last year, which was essentially the glorified tight end. I think with the new offense, you know, it, like he, he's very vocal about we're going to use me differently. We, we, you know, we can't let me average under 10 yards or catch again. And, and then you have Chase, who you mentioned, you know, entering year two. I mean, that he could just blow the ceiling off of all his, you know, normal median projections. And so Deontay, very steady, very good receiver. But I think there's a, a decent chance that he could finish third in, in production and it's, it's kind of a toss up. And so give me the guys, you know, give me, give me, just give me the value by ADP. So it's not that I don't like Deontay, but I'm drafting him. Whereas I want to own Juju the most. I want to own Chase the most or or both more. I want to own them both more um, than Deontay this year. Like similar to on Tate when it came to the Bengals, like James Washington is another great late round flyer, because if either one of these receivers goes down, like he's going to have wide receiver three, uh, potential and you know even when they're all healthy he tends to have an annoying amount of routes run you know he'll he'll run 30 to 40 percent of routes run each week even all three are healthy so he's kind of a guy that I've been targeting really late in best ball just based on the the injury upside in this offense yeah he I mean he's definitely you know they, they do have you know some guys that say that tight end still I think you know that that could eat into it but you know Washington if they if they pass at that same rate He's always a guy in the conversation in deep leagues. Um, but but a guy that's in the conversation uh, in everybody's league is, you know, rookie Najee Harris out of Alabama. And so just give us the prop because that's, that's going to tell us more than anything else could about what we're thinking about Najee. Yeah, so with him, it's all about volume, right? Um, so I have total rushing and receiving yards. Uh, over under 1250 and a half. I'm at 1334. So I'm going over. I think he's going to be – their new Le'Veon Bell. I think they're going back to that workhorse role. I don't think they liked um, how things kind of shook out the last two years. Connor was just a guy that was frozen pond after stepping in for Bell, and they kind of rode with it, but he couldn't stay healthy. I think they they drafted a big guy um, that can withstand punishment, so they can they can play him eighty plus percent snaps. Are you worried about this offensive line at all, or are you just one of those volume is king, who cares kind of guys? I mean, yeah, it, it, for the most part, I think volume is king because I think Najee's going to be out there on on running snaps he's gonna be out there on passing snaps which is why i like that you made the prop you know what's his total yards gonna be because he's gonna be out there one way or another doing you know making that you know making that offense go forward so um love Najee this year i think he's a guy that um i want him at his at his rb uh 13 adp i think that's um you know i think he could be a top five back as early as year one just because i think he gets a ton of usage and we don't see that 
uh, much in the NFL this year. Let's go to the Houston Texans. <laughs> I mean, there's not much to talk about here. So just, I mean, what? How the hell do you project this team right now? You can't. Yeah. Is there anybody you should care about in fantasy for the Houston Texans? I'll just ask. I'll put it I down. mean, honestly, maybe Brandon Cooks. That's about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's simple. And, and, and Cooks is going right now wide receiver 37. Is that about right, you think? Or Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, whoever plays quarterback, whatever happens here, he's probably going to have a massive target share. So I think if you're getting a guy that's going to be a legit number one receiver um, in that range, I think it makes sense. Um, he won't have guys like Will Fuller drawing, you know, uh, attention from the defense or anything, but just at that range, just volume matters. So uh, I love him there. Uh, who the hell knows who's going to be playing quarterback there, but uh, I think no matter how you shake it, I think Cooks is a value there. Yeah. And, and David Johnson, I don't like at RB 33 because you can get goat Lindsay at RB 50. Just, just take the guy that could end up getting more carries. Uh, Mark Ingram, He's pretty much washed. I don't think it'll be much of a factor, but let's just go into the Texans prop. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, just when it comes to projecting quarterback, again, we have no clue when it comes to Deshaun Watson. So it's it's a mystery there. Uh, but how many games are you projecting Davis Mills to start? I have the projection at five and a half right now. <laughs> I have 5.7, which is really just uh, the season divi- 17 divided by three, because I have no <laughs> idea who is going to be either. This is that's just how I project games played, because the games played are really tough to project anyway. Um, but right now, yeah, I just think it's a toss up. But I don't think that Tyrod Taylor, uh, you know, if Watson's out, can necessarily hold a job all year. I don't think there's the in- I don't think there's the incentive to. I think only you have to be like a borderline playoff team. You have to be, you know, in the hunt. Yeah. For it to make any sense give Tyrod Taylor the job for the entire season the, and Texans have if I'm not mistaken the lowest win total by that just just because of that I think Davis Mills probably more likely to start you know a third more than a third of the games than he isn't so uh yeah going going at, going 5.7 going over with that let's go to the Colts Carson Wentz is the new Phillip Rivers apparently you know just going to kind of take quarterbacks from other teams and Hope they don't throw as many interceptions when they come to the Colts. I mean, is Wentz an upgrade on Rivers? You know, I think because like Wentz was really bad last year. And we, I think we we argued about this on the pot a bunch because I just I once I saw him play like the first five or six weeks, I was like, I just don't trust this guy anymore. I don't know what happened to him, but that a lot of that was you know the Philly offense. Um, what are your thoughts on Wentz versus Rivers? Is just how it affects this offense as a whole. I mean, Wentz has the higher floor and lower ceiling. I think so. It's it's worth the gamble. And you know, he took a league high. 51 sacks last year yes that was uh, a big part of it was the offensive line but you know he held on to the ball too long uh 2.91 seconds according to next gen stats so he can take some responsibility for that but you know he's gonna be playing behind a much better offensive line so he'll be able to get away with that a little bit more here so i think he's he's in a situation where you know if you want to bet on him making a comeback under frank reich um go ahead and target him I, i i think he 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 elevates the ceiling of a guy like T.Y. Hilton in this offense because he's more willing uh, to be aggressive and throw deep. Um, but yeah, I, I think his ADP is about right. I, I could go either, either way with him, but I think the talent around him, um, especially the offensive line, sets him up for success this year, or at least a bounce back season. You know, he's going as quarterback 21. I think that's about fair. Uh, the only guy, I mean, I think if you're, it, it depends if you're in a season long week, obviously you have to take him because he's, he's guaranteed, you know, he's going to start week one where some guys, I mean, you know, Justin Fields, we don't know about, you know, Trey Lance, guys like that. We just don't know. 
um, what's going to happen with them. But I would take Zach Wilson over Wentz like that. I, I, I'm, I'm fully wow. under Zach Wilson um, bandwagon. Yeah, you can make a, a, a in best ball. I think is when you really have to knock Wentz down because there is a possibility he just plays himself or plays you right out of it every week. Like he could start and be bad like he was last right. year and still like hurt you. So I think in best ball, I don't think he deserves being ranked ahead of guys like Lance and Fields and, and definitely and Zach Wilson obviously and even you know the Taysom Hill situation. Like I think the guys with the upside that could give you like quarterback top five weeks if they start should be drafted over him in best ball. But in season long, you just, you just need a guy that's going to start, you know, from week one on. And then when he's benched, you can just, or if he plays bad, you can just drop him. So that's where I think he, that's why he's in that, you know, top 20 borderline, but he, he goes down a couple of pegs. Otherwise, I mean, this offense, Michael Pittman, oh, well, Jonathan Taylor, he's locked in. Um, we don't have to talk much about him. He's a, he's a top, you know, top 10 running back. Definitely he's RB six right now, but um, I think Pittman is the interesting guy here. Uh, going wide receiver 45 to Hilton's 49 at Paris Campbell 77 looks like the value to me. Um, I think Hilton's on the decline, but I think Pittman wide receiver 45 year one, year two leap. He's the guy I think gives you the most chance of an every week starter over Hilton. I, but I do think Campbell the best value at 77. What do you think? Yeah, I remember you were high on uh, Pittman last year, so you got you got to stick with him. I do think he could have a year two breakout, so don't sleep on him. But I, I love Paris Campbell. Um, you know, he suffered his MCL and PCL injuries in week one last year. Um, so I think he should be 100% heading into to week one. Um, I definitely think he offers upside at ADP. I, I think he has wide receiver three flex value. I'm, I'm a big believer in Campbell. Who knows how this is going to shake out? So I think in this situation, you take the cheaper guy. Um, but like you said, you know, Hilton, I'm, I'm a little bit down on him, but I do think that Wentz you know, his ability to push the ball deep, I think that helps him. But uh, a guy like Campbell, I, I think, you know, he, it's hard to pass him up where he is if you think he's going to be healthy entering the season. Yeah, there's not much going on at tight end. Doyle, I think, yeah. can surprise people. Wentz does like to throw a tight end, but then we have, like, headlines that he made use as a blocker more. So, I mean, I, that's just a stay away. Let's go to the prop for Indy. Uh, so, Carson Wentz, total passing touchdown this, this year. I have it at uh, 25 and a half. I'll go over. Uh, I have it a, a couple of ticks higher. I think kind of banking on a, the fact that I don't think he'll, I think he'll start no matter what. I do have faith in Frank Reich. And, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of volatility with that, but I am going to go over. I think Pittman breaks out. Um, I think Campbell, you know, you can't project him to play like one game, you know, it's essentially what's yeah. been. Uh, so I think there's a lot of upside with this Colts offense. And, uh, you know, the, the league is also just trending toward more and more touchdowns through here every year it seems to be so I feel fairly confident with that over but I, I mean how many interceptions come with that I that I can't tell you so I'm still not excited about Wentz um and and he's more of a redraft guy than a best ball guy uh for me um let's go to Jacksonville Travis Etienne gets drafted we we heard about this whole you know there's going to be a committee here we have Carlos Hyde now they say we're going to use all three what are your thoughts on his backfield? I mean, where, what, like, what if James Robinson now? You know, he, oh. he was one of the best backs in the league, and now it's he's going as the RB twenty two. So people haven't completely bought out, but you have Etienne at twenty eight, uh, and then Hyde at seventy seven. I'm worried about Robinson and Etienne, Etienne even at, at that ADP, just because I mean, it's gonna Etienne might just be the third down back. So so it's like I don't know RB twenty eight. What what do you think? Oh, I share your concern. I was so disappointed when the Jaguars took 
ATN because he, you know, that hurts his value and James Robinson. Yeah. Like you mentioned, Carlos Hyde's there. This is going to be a nightmare to project. So I'm just staying away. Um, you know, Irwin Myers potentially making um, ETN a wide receiver, like his H back role that we saw, you know, guys like Percy Harvin, Curtis Samuel play. Does he know that they already have LaVisca Chenault who would probably oh. fit that perfectly? Yes. Um, so <laughs> this is just, uh, it's a shame that they're doing this. And then we got Tim Tebow potentially doing the, the Taysom Hell role. It, this is just a nightmare. It's a shame because there's so much talent in this roster, but we really don't know how Urban Meyer is going to, you know, set this up. So uh, I'm shying away from them on their ADP. They're, they're both a bit rich at ADP. Um, and, you know, I'm staying far, far away right now. So Chenault's going at uh, wide receiver 48, Marv Jones at 53, uh, DJ Chark at 31, uh, 30, excuse me. I feel like the values in Chenault and Jones, really. I mean, you bring Jones in. I don't think, he, you know, he's a guy that's just going to kind of completely be out-targeted by Shark every week. And I think Shark, you know, he had that, he had a bad year, then he had a good year, and then he had a year he couldn't stay healthy. But when, when you go in and you bring in, like, Marvin Jones, which you didn't really have to do. And then you, uh, you talk about making ETN a wide receiver. I'm just worried that Chark isn't that true number one that Meyer, um, Meyer wants. Like, I don't, I don't think he's, he's a past regime kind of guy. And, and I just don't know um, that he's worth that, that top 30 ADP. Yeah, I agree completely. Like he's obviously the sexy pick here, but wide receiver 30. Oh man. It, it's, it's hard to trust anybody that high in this offense. So yeah, well, you know, I'm not excited over Marvin Jones. You, you can get him much later and who knows how this is going to shake out. But I think of the three, I think LaVisca Chanel, yeah. um, for the reasons I mentioned earlier, I think he's the guy to target here. I think he could fit really well into this urban Meyer scheme. Yeah. And I mean, there might, there might not be much a tight end. So that's one good thing. Trevor Lawrence um, going just outside the top uh, 12 at quarterback. Um, what, I mean, I think that's fair. Um, you know, I think he has some upside, but I still like Wilson as a much better value, but what, what's our Jags prop? Our Jags prop is Travis Etienne. How many receptions will he have this year? I have it at 45 and a half. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go under, I'm right there in line though. I have it at 43. Um, so I, you know, tweak a, one or two things and he easily is right at that number. I think that's what, what we should expect in year one about, about three catches per game, maybe a little, little less, just because there's a lot of guys that could emerge. We really haven't seen this offense. We don't know how run heavy it's going to be. Um, the only thing we really know is he's probably going to be the number one pass down back. Cause that's what, uh, that's what Meyer has said. So I have, I have Etienne at, you know, he's getting like just like around half of the running back routes and then Hyde and Robinson are splitting the other half. So um, not, not exactly like Robinson's getting yeah. more than Hyde actually, obviously, but you know, that's, that's kind of how I have it. All right, let's go through the. Oh, I forgot about the Titans. The most exciting, yeah, one of the more exciting teams. Yeah, the, the, the team I'm reffing on the on Throwback Thursday. Yeah, how did I? Okay, Titans. I mean, I don't know whether to be worried or excited. I mean, on one hand, you have Julio Jones and AJ Brown. You have Tannehill who can't do anything but score touchdowns. You have Derrick Henry who's a monster, but you lost Arthur Smith. No, let me say it again. But you lost Arthur Smith. He's the guy that turned down turn around excuse me Tannehill's career um you know Tannehill 55 touchdowns and 26 starts over the past two seasons under Smith he's gone tight end is gone so that does that just help Brown and Jones does it make it tougher just is make tougher for Tannehill to function without without John who there is it is Ferkser just kind of going to step in like what should I think of the Titans like <laughs> well Mr. Oilers man you tell me um but <laughs> 
I feel like, don't we have this discussion in season every year? Like we, we try to project, you know, Tannehill, Henry, the receive like, you know, AJ Brown, and we can never have their projections high enough. They just always exceed expectations. And we always say, we just need to boost the, like their team total when it comes to our projection model, like they always overachieve. So just, I'm always careful now when I'm projecting the Titans to not like underrate them a little bit. So, you know, when they get Julio Jones, I'm very bullish on this offense. I think Ryan Tannehill has proven that he is not regressing towards any sort of mean. Um, I'm still projecting him, you know, to to rush for a touchdown 7.5% of the time, um, which is just crazy when uh, Derrick Henry's there. So uh, I'm loving this offense. I think Todd Downing should keep it pretty um, similar to what we saw under Arthur Smith. Um, So I think we'll see a lot of play action. Um, using Derrick Henry to set that up. Um, I, I just love this. And I think, you know, Julio Jones, his addition, I think that kind of helps A.J. Brown. I think A.J. Brown, um, he doesn't need a ton of targets to put up value. We've seen that in his short career so far. So I think Julio Jones will help draw some attention away from the defense. A.J. Brown will put up big numbers. Um, and then, like you you mentioned, like Anthony Ferkser, I think he's going to take over the John New Smith role. So I like him at ADP. I think this is an offense where they only have a few players you need to target, but those guys you could absolutely target. So I love this offense as a whole. Yeah, I think, you know, I think Julio is going around wide receiver 14, 13, 14. I think I'd rather get him as more of a mid-range to low-end wide receiver two, just because I think going, you know, got, you see guys decline at this age. I think I still think he'll be – a top 20 guy if he's healthy, but we did, you know, we did see him struggle with that hamstring injury. He was on the injury report nine times, missed seven games. I think Brown's kind of locked in. I think whatever he loses from Julio taking away targets, he, I think he gains right back in the fact that they lost so many other guys. Downing was 15th in pass attempts his one year as a coordinator. The Titans have been essentially bottom five, so they could actually throw a little bit more. So I, I, I still like Brown where he's going, you know, seventh, eighth, I think, you know, guy's still on the come up. I think he'll be the guy who's more productive at the end of this season. I think he's the guy more likely to stay healthy. Derrick Henry, I could I could see you taking him as the RB one. He's the RB three. I would I I could take him over McCaffrey um, when you consider durability. And yeah, and that's at uh, Ferkser. I you know he's hard to peg. I I don't think he'll be a consistent week to week guy. So I, I'm not like he's you know he's a guy. I think you can stream here and there, but uh, I'm not counting on him to even put up Janu numbers, especially after they get. Um, Julio, I do like Desert's Patrick is kind of, I think he emerges as that, you know, number three guy for them. Um, and, and with Julio's injury history, I think he's an intriguing, like, best ball guy. But Tannehill, yeah, well-win quarterback one. I'm worried a little bit about Smith, but you're, you still do have a ton of talent there. Uh, what's our prop for Tennessee? Our prop is Julio Jones receiving touchdowns. He's always been fun to project on the Falcons because <laughs> <laughs> you would always think he would score more touchdowns. So how are you projecting him this year? I have – uh, the overrunner at six and a half. I'm at 6.7. Uh, so that's, I guess, the Tannehill boost. <laughs> um, you know, Tannehill, 55 touchdowns in 26 starts. That's three more than Matt Ryan in, in five more starts for Ryan. So Tannehill is 55 and 26 starts over the last two years. Ryan threw 52 in 31 starts. So, um, you know, I you know, hopefully the, the, the Smith loss doesn't affect him too much. Julio, I still worry about him in the red zone. Uh, that's, I'm so intrigued to see. Julio in the red zone because from 2013 to 17 he was 11 of 68 touchdowns to red zone targets that's like you know that's you terrible his, you're blaming him not Matt Ryan on those 
I know I, I I'm not sure. I think I think it's not him team. per se. It's like he's yeah. the coverage, you know, they're just always focused yeah. on him. But then, you know, the last the, the two years before last year, he was 10 for 32. So it improved. But then last year he's 0 for 8. So like, you know, red zone touchdown percentage, very volatile. I'm not really factoring that in a ton into the overall projections outside of, you know, his touchdowns per route and per target and things like that. But per catch. But um, I just think it's fascinating. But yeah, I'm at 6.7. Do worry about him staying healthy. Um, but I, I, you know, t- you have to factor in how well Tannehill has been playing. Let's go to the AFC West, Denver, Denver is an intriguing team, man. I mean, this, there's not many holes on this roster. They don't have, they may not have a center or a tackle, but they're the rest of, you know, they have bowls and they have, they have the rest of the, like every spot for spot on their offense and defense is great. So, I mean, Except for quarterback, but. yeah. And, and quarter, that's what I mean. And quarterback. So it's like, you have these three big holes on offense. Is it going to be a disaster? Or is it going to be like a surprising like 10 and seven playoff team? Like it just because that affects how we project these guys. Cause it's like, if this is a good team, then, you know, these running backs, it's great for them, but the receivers are shaky. If it's a bad team, then, then we look at the receivers even more. Right. And so, I mean, how much of a percent chance are you giving um, Aaron Rodgers being their quarterback? Like five or less at this point. Yeah, it's it's in that range. It it was higher, I think, a couple months ago, but it's it's so hard to say. I'm just kind of going forward with what they have. Yeah, in, in projections. So so yeah, right now I have Drew Locke projected for nine point five games started, and Teddy Bridgewater at seven point five uh, to account for all seventeen games. I've basically given up hope that Aaron Rodgers will be coming here. Um, but I guess the interesting thing, and you know, when it comes to projections, is like. Which players do you think benefit from Drew Locke under center? And which players do you think benefit uh, from Teddy? No one benefits from anybody because <laughs> no, I mean, I like, I just don't think any of these guys are very good. I, I do think, all right. If, if Locke starts, I don't think the team wins as many games. So right. I, I think, I think the receivers benefit because he'll turn the ball over and thus they'll need to throw more, I think, and, and get like, more garbage time fueled or comeback fueled production. Whereas I think Teddy is like your standard game manager. You don't plan on throwing the ball more than 30 times with him unless you have to type quarterback, but with Locke, I think you kind of want to let it rip and see what he's got. And, you know, so, but I think the defense will be good. So listen, I, I I think, you know, we we have to talk about the running backs because they, they, they draft Javante Williams and uh, actually let's leave that for the prop. Let's talk, let's talk to receivers. Cause what, what, like, what do you make of, Sutton coming back, going wide receiver 32. Judy entering year two. Could he, can, he can make a leap, but he had a pretty inefficient year. He's at 38 in terms of wide receiver ADP. Um, then you have Tim Patrick, who's probably the best one uh, last year. He's at yeah. 95. Uh, and then KJ Hamler, who was promising last year, uh, is down at 113. Uh, what do you think of this receiving wide receiving core? I, I think at ADP, I would lean towards uh, Jerry Judy. Uh, I'm just a big believer and Judy, and I think he'd be one of the guys that would benefit the most um, from Teddy Bridgewater playing the most games under center. Um, you know, Teddy tends to be less aggressive and just hit the open receiver, which I think Jerry Judy is that guy. You know, he's a really good route runner. Drew Locke a ton of times last year just ignored Judy running wide open, um, which is pretty annoying. Um, so I think, you know, Teddy will help boost his value. So that's why I'm monitoring that quarterback situation closely. Whereas Cortland Sutton, I think you mentioned it, you know, Drew Locke's more the gunslinger take deep shots. That's perfect for Cortland Sutton. They already have that chemistry. So he's a guy where if uh, Drew Locke is announced as the week one starter, I'll be a little bit more uh, bullish on Cortland Sutton. But at, at, you know, right now it is ADP. He seems a bit rich um, because like you said, this, this offense is going to be set back by poor quarterback play. So 
um, unless they surprise us and do end up training for Aaron Rodgers, I'll probably be off most of them, um, especially a guy like Tim Patrick, like you mentioned, a guy like that. Um, he's going to need one of these guys to get hurt or an Aaron Rodgers to, to become fancy relevant, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it, I think I, it, I I think about it a little bit different. I'm just like, I think Tim Patrick could be enough real-life relevant to kind of mess up Sutton or Judy. Because Sutton, like, Sutton was really good. He was kind of shaky, and then he turned really good, but then he got hurt. Um, but then in Judy, it's like he was bad enough that, like, I still do worry about him. You know what I mean? Like, even though he should take a year to leap, even though there's a possibility that Locke is not the quarterback – but Patrick, like, I just think he's a little better than we think. I don't think, like, that necessarily translates into, like, consistent fantasy value. Right. But it may kind of, like, warp the target shares that we're projecting for Sutton and Judy. So, I think in terms of value, I'd probably go, like, Patrick, even though I don't, like, it's like you have to be in a deep league. And then I, I think Judy's fine. I think Sutton has better upside. Like, I, I, I think if they're both healthy, Sutton's going to outperform Judy. Like, so I, I don't know. I, it's, I, I don't, I don't love them. I just think they're all guys that you probably just want to take if they fall below ADP and not like, you don't want to reach on any of, uh, right. of those guys. I think Noah Fant, you know, tight end seven, I think that's about, you know, where he should be, you know, in that seven to, to nine range. Um, but let, let's talk about the running backs and let's do it through the uh, through your prop. Yeah, so my prop for running back, it's it's pretty straightforward here, is who's going to score more fancy points in week one, Javante <laughs> Williams or Melvin Gordon? I think just get straight to the point here. Week one, Gordon, but in the season, it's almost a toss-up. I, I think yeah. it's, it's tough to project because we, I, you know, I know we both kind of start with like per game averages and kind of, you know, project those out to, you know, how many games we think are, they're going to play. But I think, I think Gordon, you know, gets the veteran, like, you know, week one start. I think he's still going to be heavily involved. I think Williams starts in that Lindsay kind of, you know, 30 to 40% share, but Williams may very well be the more talented back uh, even in year one. We know running backs don't take time to really acclimate this kind of what you see is what you get. So um, yeah, I think over the course of the year, I would worry about Gordon in, in like a best ball format, because I think he you know, has the potential to kind of de- decline as the year goes on. Yeah, I'm, w- I'm with you on that one. All right, let's got three more teams. Let's run through them pretty quick. I mean, Chiefs, we know what we're getting with Mahomes. We know what we're getting with Tyreek, Travis Kelsey. We don't even need to really talk about those guys. Clyde edwards aware do we like his ADP around running back uh, 17? Is that that about right? Too high, too low? Uh, I think I, I think he's a smash play there. Um, you know, I was pretty high on him last year. He he obviously disappointed, but all of the ingredients are there for a bounce back season. Uh, they they beefed up the offensive line. You know, I don't consider Darrell Williams or Jerick McKinnon to be competition. Um, so yeah, I'm buying Alaire at uh, 17 right now. Yeah, another guy that I, I I I'm sure you would agree to take over J.K. Dobbins. Not not because Dobbins is a bad player, but just right. because of the of the upside that we thought Edwards had last year when he was going as the top you know top eight back. So I, I like I'm with you on Edwards Alaire. Um, mentioned Sammy Watkins is gone. That opens it up. So which just talk, give give us the prop because that's going to give us what we need to talk about with the Chiefs really. Yeah, this is a good one for you because I know we project we like to project routes run. Uh, for receivers and Nico Harmon is always a headache. So I have uh, his projected routes run percentage for week one. Are you taking over under 62 and a half percent? I'm taking under. Uh, I, I'm projecting he's going to be about a 50 50 guy. It just seems to me like if they wanted him to play a role differently than he's been playing, 
it would have happened by now. Like I, I get it in like year one, but then like year, like remember last year, even when guys were hurt, it was like Hardman wouldn't always change that much unless like multiple guys got hurt. So I think he's kind of that guy that they want him in there um, to, to, to do different things and scare the defense and in motion and run out of the backfield. But uh, I think, I think Pringle is going to be the guy. I, I think he's going to yeah. be the guy that inherits the role of Sammy Watkins. And so I have to kind of keep my Hardman projection similar to, to what we saw, uh, you know, from him last year. Yeah. I'm in line with you on that. And you're, so you're still projecting Demarcus Robinson to be doing wind sprints 70 to 75% of the time. Right. Yeah. 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 I just think it's, listen, I, I'm not saying I would play it like that, but right. <laughs> um, there's just different skills that go into that with, with these receivers that they're looking for in that offense and it's, it's working. So why would they change it is kind of where, the yeah, way, exactly. way I'm thinking of it. And, and I think, by the way, I think Pringle is probably a more complete receiver than Hardman. Just, you know, like, com- like Hardman's just like fast. Pringle's better than Robinson too. So that's why I'm just like, I, I'm factoring in like the factor of him kind of, you know, messing this all up. So yeah, I'm, I'm going conservative with Hardman. We got, okay, Raiders, Chargers. Let's finish this one up for our AFC projections pod. Henry Ruggs, uh, you know, he's entering year two. You got Carr coming off his best year. Uh, but let's start with Jacobs versus Kenyon Drake. I mean, Jacobs is falling down to the high teens and running back uh, ADP. And I think a lot of that is because of the acquisition of Kenyon Drake. I really don't think Drake changes much of anything. I think Drake is just kind of the guy that's going to take those hundred or so touches that would have gone, you know, Jalen Rashard and, DeAndre Washington before him, Booker last year. Uh, That's essentially what Gruden said. So I I love Jacobs at his ADP. Any thoughts on him? Yeah, I'm with you there. He could be sneaky. And especially they're they're talking about potentially lining Drake up at wide receiver. That's that's good news um, if you're targeting uh, Josh Jacobs. Because, you know, I I think Drake could hinder his his passing volume. uh, But we've never banked on that to begin with. Um, So I'm fine taking him at the end of uh, the, the RB2 range. But, you know, and Drake himself, I don't think he's a guy that I'm targeting necessarily at the end of drafts. I just, I didn't get the signing to begin with. And this offensive line is going to take a step back. They, they essentially blew it up in the offseason. So I'm kind of out on the Raider running backs to begin with. But if, if you're taking Jacobs at the end of the RB2 tier, I can't blame you. Yeah, I I, no, I think Jacobs has like RB1 upside. I, I think he's right. a smash like in that same kind of Edwards and Wearmo. Like this is a guy, he's probably going to get 20 touches either way. Like whether whoever's behind him, that's just how the Raiders operate. Like Jacobs is going to get 20 touches, probably 18 on the ground and like two through the air. And then whoever's behind him, it just maybe one guy instead of like, you know, it was two a lot of the times in the past. So um, I think Drake's a little rich for me at RB 35, but if he falls a little, I wouldn't count him out. I still think he's one of the better running backs in the league, like skill wise. I'm not like low on him, but I do agree. I think the situation obviously is not great because Jacobs is going to get his 20 touches. So, yeah. um, Jacobs is the guy for me. Um, and then, and then, you know, Darren Waller, not much to say about him. He's a, one of the top tight ends, um, after Kelsey's going tight end three, do, do, do you think about taking him ahead of, of Kittle at any, at any point? Uh, and he, he oh, we had of Andrews. I don't think about it. I just take Waller over Kittle. Yeah. Okay. No yeah. thought put into it. I think, especially, you know, if Trey Lance takes over pretty early in the season, I think they're going to be a little bit more run heavy. Um, you know, Kittle has a ton of real life value, but when it comes to fantasy, I want Waller just all day. Like he's, he's so consistent. He's what you want um, at tight end. So I just don't hesitate. Just take him tight end number two. Yeah, because you know what he really is. He's really their wide receiver one. And he used to be Absolutely. a wide receiver. Or he has like the wide receiver skills because you have Henry Ruggs, Willie Sneed, Hunter Renfro, John Brown, Brian Edwards, Zay Jones. 
I mean, just give me the prop because I don't, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I hate projecting this team because of those names that you just mentioned. Uh, but my prop is Henry Ruggs total receptions this year. Uh, I have it at 46 and a half. I have it at 46. So uh, I'm right there. I, I guess I'll go under, but here he's another guy. I think I was high on him. He's extremely disappointed. I'm a little bit worried, but I, at the same time, don't factor out a year too weak from this guy. He's still immensely talented, still, you know, managed to get, you know, get taken ahead of Judy and lamb, you know, even if it wasn't necessarily warranted. Um, so, you know, I'd say if you're weaning one way or the other, go, go with the over on him. Like if, if, if as a, as a draft pick, um, just because I think he, like out of any of those other guys I mentioned, they're not going to like, uh, have like this fantasy year changing season. And if they do, you're probably not going to pick which one and then start him. Like, you know, Nelson Aguilar. Okay, great. He has a great season last year, career year, you know, resurgence, but like, were you starting Nelson Aguilar every week, even if you had him? Probably not. So like rugs, I think will be that one guy that you had, you'd have the confidence to start. He's going at wide receiver 54. He's cheap. You can just choke, hit him on your bench, see if he starts out high or something. So yeah, yeah rugs is the guy for me. You're, you're not buying into this Brian Edwards type again. Nah, he's, he's yeah. a big guy. He's big. He's not, he's not that fast. What's for? I mean, every once in a while, a guy like that ends up being like a DJ Chark in year two. But I mean, because you have rugs also primed for a leap, I just, it's just, and you have Waller there and you have Drake. Like it's just, he's just too far down. I mean, he could, he could be, he could not make the team. I mean, he could be an actor. You know what I mean? Like this is, right, yeah. <laughs> there's six guys there that have a, a shot. So yeah, that's, that's not what I'm going to do with my, with any type of draft capital this year. If he, if he burns me, he burns me. But uh, last team, let's finish it up with the Chargers. Mike Williams, uh, you still got Keenan Allen there. Uh, you still got Austin Eckler there. Uh, Justin Herbert entering year two. Um, what is, what's his ceiling? Uh, at quarterback right now, he's going as the QB seven. So you got Mahomes, Allen Murray, Jackson Prescott, Wilson, and then Justin Herbert ahead of Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Jalen Hurts. Uh, is that where you're kind of taking Herbert, or is he too high for you, or do you are you buying into like the upside? No, I think I'm buying into the upside. You, you do have to worry about the sophomore slump, you know, just regressing to the mean. Uh, a bit, but he definitely has the talent. I think the, uh, you know, Joe Lombardi is going to take this offense to new heights. I think he's going to get the most out of Austin Eckler and Mike Williams. So that's why I think I'll, I'll buy in on Justin Herbert again this year. Um, and Jared Cook, he, he should be a, a pretty good short-term replacement for Hunter Henry. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, I think he has all the pieces in place and improved offensive line. There's a lot to like where, you know, even if he does regress a little bit, I think he has the talent to take I mean, it's tough to do this, but take over like an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady. Yeah, and, you know, he still can run a little bit. You know, I know he's, he wasn't like running all over the place, but has a little bit of that. I think there's a lot to like. And in Keenan Allen, wide receiver 10, I think that's that's pretty fair. But uh, let's talk – well, first of all, let's talk Cooks, and then we'll finish up uh, – because Eckler is running back 10. I think that's also pretty – on point. Um, Cook right now is a tight end 19. Is there a little, little bit of upside there? Yeah, I think there's some upside there. Like I said, I mean, he's he's replacing Hunter Henry. Um, he already knows the Joe Lombardi offense, the Sean Payton tree, so he's coming from New Orleans. He should fit right in, and, you know, when he's healthy, you know you can play him um, if you're in a deep enough league or best ball where you're taking tight ends that late. He's a steal there. And then you have Donald Parham uh, backing him up, you know, XFL legend. 
um, <laughs> who, who could be a nice you know injury upside replacement if Cook were to go down. So I, I wouldn't overlook the, the Charger tight ends. I think they will play a role in the offense this year. I think Cook has legit top 12 upside, especially since like you, your tight end 12 and 13 right now are Henry and Smith, who – yeah, they have upside too. They could be focal points of that offense, but they could also kind of split targets. Whereas, um, you know, Cook could be like a legit, you know, you know, tight, you know, the only guy that's really seeing the field on pass routes for the for the Chargers. So I think he's going way too low. And uh, let's finish up with Mike Williams because I think he's an interesting guy. So give let's 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 talk about the prop for Mike Williams. Yeah. So uh, Joe Lombardi said that he he intends to be the X receiver in his offense, which is the same role that Michael Thomas plays. So people are getting all excited about Michael Williams. Are you buying the hype? Do you think he'll have a year five breakout? Um, <laughs> I have his receiving yards at 800 and a half. Are you going over or under that? Yeah, I'm about 100 over. I, I, do, I do think he has a break. Wait, listen, this guy has been... He broke out already. I mean, let's let's give him some credit. You know, he had that horrible year one, <laughs> um, but 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 he, he you know he he kind of righted the ship. I mean, yeah. um, just looking at his his numbers, you know, year two he gets ten touchdowns, forty three catches. Uh, the next year he only gets two touchdowns, but he goes over a thousand yards and, and on on forty nine catches. Uh, and then last year, you know, he it's a little bit of a slow year, but he's been between he's been around about three catches and and. And uh, and between 50 and, and and 65 yards for the last couple of years, I think you see him on the higher end of that range, you know, more toward the three and a half mark. And so, I mean, what do you what do you think of the like who's who's the third guy here? Like, is it, oh, is it Johnson? Is it Guyton? Um, I think Johnson I may 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 jump Guyton at some point. Oh yeah, I love Tyron Johnson. Like I, I wrote up that prop of the night or whatever with him last year. Like I love him. I think he has. Potential, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a three-way tie right now with Guyton, Palmer, and Johnson. I would just avoid it completely. But uh, I share your love for Michael Ames. And when I say breakout, like like you said, like when you look at his uh, career stats, he's kind of like my golf game where nothing lined up. <laughs> the same year, he had the one year with 10 touchdowns and the one year with over 1,000 yards and two touchdowns. I'm with you there. I think he's going to break out where he has both, you know, potentially over a thousand uh, thousand yards and double digit touchdowns this year. So I'm, I'm buying in on uh, Mike Williams breakout this year. Yeah. Like that's a, that's a guy you you like, you know, wide receiver 52. Like that's the guy you, t- you, you target and you say, okay, like this guy could legit give me like a top 30. Cause like, remember it's, it's all correlated to the quarterback. We're projecting a top seven season for Herbert. And, and that's not a stretch. And, and, and by the way, Chargers defense, I think you're going to see a, a drop. Like, I, I think this is going to be a shootout team all year. So, um, yeah, I, I'm bullish on Williams. I agree with you. I, I, I think Johnson is going to be the guy. Is that number three eventually? Yeah. So, yeah, if you're taking a weight round flyer. But but Cook is another guy who, if he's not completely washed, because he kind of, sometimes I thought he was washed, but it might have just been that weird Saints offense. Like, Cook can pretty much do what he does. Tight ends, once they get old, they don't, they don't like, just drop off a cliff as much as you think. It's kind of a gradual decline so i think cook is a i got a target but uh yeah williams at 52 is a steal uh that is gonna wrap it up that was uh man how you feeling that was a good first pot yeah i had fun i i'm like so excited right now we finally get to talk about it i feel like the, the fancy season starts today as well. oh yeah Yes, sir. And it does for us, uh, for the Action Network uh, NFL pod, uh, the Fantasy Flex. We are going to bring you guys two episodes per week. So stay tuned for the NFC projections uh, episode, which will drop uh, early next week. 
And uh, you can follow Sean on Twitter at the underscore oddsmaker. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Raybon. Be sure to check out all of our content at actionnetwork.com and download the award-winning Action Network app. We back for the 2021 NFL season. Until next time, let's get this money. We're finished talking.